You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon, where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3AM. 3AM. 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to 3AM. My name is DJ. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. A bunch of friends that tell first and second hand scary stories. It's been a crazy week, crazy past couple of weeks, coronavirus. We're trying not to talk about it too much, so we'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all already know. You're living it, dude. It's it's not like a show we're watching that only we know. Everyone's in it, you know? (laughs) There's nothing nothing new we can tell you. You guys want to know what's happening? Go outside. Yeah. (laughs) Open your eyes. don't. You're going to get it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. My bad. Don't go outside. Distance yourselves. (laughs) Honestly, it's kind of... Frick. Let's not talk about it. It's just hilarious how like it's introverts time to shine, you know? <laughs> yeah, especially, well, me, <laughs> I've worked from home for almost three years now mm. doing graphic design, freelance and whatnot, but nothing's super changed for me. <laughs> it's like, welcome to to my club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm serving my country just being my lazy ass already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my part. Yeah. Where's my purple heart, y'all? Just kidding. <laughs> Stolen valor. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> Frick. <laughs> Nobody cares. I just saw mid nineties, which I've been wanting to see for the past year or two. A twenty four film. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Which we've dropped a couple times. Like their name. We're big fans of them. Uh, this isn't a horror movie though. It's just a coming of age film directed by Jonah Hill. But uh, it was beautiful. It's about a little kid trying to find his crew. Comes from an abusive abusive home, and he finds it in skating. It's the 90s. A. Uh, Abuse in skating, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was really good. Uh, If you haven't seen it, go see it. 
Dude, it's crazy. Seeing I haven't seen the movie, but even just seeing the trailer, it seemed like it was so spot on. Super. When I was 12, me and Noah would get dropped off at the skate park every day in the summer where we between the two of us we'd have like 3 or 4 dollars, you know. And we'd skate all day in like 110 heat and then we'd skate to the the gas station that was like a mile down and buy two red chili burritos each and a gatorade that we'd share and just sit on the sit on the stoop near where the aa meeting met just like <laughs> eat our things and then go back to the park yeah i learned like what the tong and crip gang was i saw i saw drug deals i saw like all this wild stuff <laughs> just like sitting at the skate park skating yeah it was really good i That's i liked dope. it a lot um thinking of jonah hill dude i don't like jonah hill what which i guess could be our question for today do you or don't you like Jonah Hill? <laughs> <laughs> what celebrities do you hate? Uh, what people do you have beef with where it doesn't even really matter because we don't know them in real life. So <laughs> <laughs> Never will. We could just be keyboard warriors. All right. Well, what are your be- what's your beef with Jonah, bro? Because I love Jonah Hill. I, I also like Jonah Hill. I, th- I, think, I think it's because every time I see him, I feel like he's super stuck up. And like videos and interviews I've seen of him, he all seems just full of himself, and he's better than everyone. I don't know. You that's just, don't just the, that. that's the vibe I got from him. I was like, oh, I don't like this dude. Plus, I never thought he was super funny. <laughs> this and legit reminds of me of his role in This Is the End, where he's like the super like stuck up, nice kind of pretentious, guy, dude. pretentious dude. <laughs> like that's how he's supposed to be in real life. <laughs> well, they probably just told him to be yourself. Be yourself. Yeah. There's. I don't a- know. There's a video of Jonah Hill getting destroyed in interviews for like 10 minutes straight. Yeah, I've seen that. It's so sad. I think it's also because, I mean, he was not like a, he never had like any serious roles in movies starting out, especially. Uh huh. Like he had Super Bad. But then Moneyball, <laughs> where he won an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I think no one took him seriously at first so he was oh, trying to sure. build himself he up. like started as a yeah. clown yeah, and then exactly. just got treated like a clown mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i feel i can see that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the worst one is when he's interviewing brad pitt and he's like which actor do you idolize or look up to and he's like he's kind of trying to riff with with uh brad pitt and he's like you know like any of your friends who might be with you at the moment and he's like no 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 i need to go with like a serious actor um <laughs> but he's like being a hundred percent genuine yeah. and jonah hill's like oh oh cool yeah, yeah cool <laughs> <But> anyway <laughs> all right so you hate jonah hill i <laughs> hate jimmy kimmel oh he's bro. such a douchebag i, I hate, hate jimmy fallon oh i like jimmy fallon i don't have beef with jimmy fallon i just think he's kind of a he's yeah he's goofy he's kind of a low frequency and comedy <laughs> i do know that he's an alcoholic Oh, uh, yeah. And Dude, we're just gossing. What to, are we right to now? To the point where he's, <laughs> I guess we are. We're, we're a gossip talk show now. Hey. <laughs> anyway, I think he's fake. He laughs at everything. Not everything's funny, dude. <laughs> like, not smiling so much. <laughs> I'm being so damn Stop happy. Stop being happy. <laughs> You're a hater, bro. <laughs> What's your beef with Jimmy Kimmel? Sorry. Dude, he's just a douchebag to everyone he talks to. It's like. Be nice, bro. I guess. So it's like the opposite with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I feel like Jimmy Fallon is like Disney and Jimmy Kimmel is like DreamWorks. 
Yeah, but they had like, Prince of Egypt and like Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. Well, Shrek was like a little more like a, a little more like edgy, racy. You know? Yeah, yeah. There yeah, like yeah. some some raunchy humor in there and whatnot. Not that it was bad, but like the comparison with I like see, the content, how they deliver and everything. I see you with that, but also he's just kind of a douche to the people he has on there. Have you seen any of like his interviews yes. where he mm-hmm. just like puts them on the spot and is just like trying to like or brings up really sensitive or like and doesn't leave it alone mm-hmm. like when they're like oh no i don't really want to talk about that yeah it's a dickhead it yeah. tries to get a reaction out of people oh tv i mean he did do blackface anyway <laughs> <laughs> what about you i i'm gonna give it a, a, a second to think like who i actually don't like the first no i'm not i'm just gonna speak right out of my butt <laughs> first guy that comes to mind is i do know like this is gossip so i don't know i like I'm pretty sure it's documented that Mark Wahlberg almost beat a dude to death because he was Vietnamese. Vietnamese, And that's kind of not cool to kill someone for their race. <laughs> so I don't like love him it's like or low that. Key, that's kind of not cool to do that. Yeah. First of all, pho, where would we be without that? Oh, 100%. <laughs> ba, me, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And like mm. don't kill someone because they're a different race. <laughs> That seems like some sound logic. <laughs> that seems just like common sense and humanity. But homeboy's still getting Ain't movies. So oh, apparently yeah. Hollywood and everyone doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Cardi B. You don't like her? I liked her at first. Like when Bodak Yellow was big, mm. I was like this song goes. Mm. What's your beef with her? Uh, that she drugged multiple men and stole from them. Yeah. She would lead them to her hotel room and then drug them and then steal. I know we're not supposed to victim blame, but I'm like a huge hypocrite in that I'm like, bruh, like you was fing with strippers. Like you're yeah. gonna get burned, <laughs> dog. Like what do you <laughs> it's a I'm like way less lenient or like sympathetic to that. I don't know. It's a cutty environment overall. So Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't expect to go to the pool and not get wet. That's, but uh, that that's not like true all the way through in every case yeah totally, totally but like elements of that like are things that you should think of yeah <laughs> you mm-hmm. know if you're involved in those areas i don't know i mean if you're committing a crime on a person it's not good yeah everything yeah. we've yep. said like i said we don't know these people at all and everything so, is <laughs> alleged yeah we're judging them from a distance and we Hearsay. don't yeah we don't have the full story so <laughs> <laughs> i guess we're jumping to conclusions i mean everyone's at fault to this where they enforce and believe what they want to or what (laughs) makes them look good or what fits their regime you know like going out right now or not (laughs) like meeting up with you two (laughs) to record this well one of them's my roommate anyway so hey you don't know where i've been i don't know where you've been (laughs) yeah you do know where i've been Okay. And that's not comforting. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't make me feel the better. The problem is I know where you've been. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. Um, sorry. Kind of running. It reminded me of something else. So a couple of years ago, you might have seen this, but somewhere in the Midwest, let's say Ohio, they... Gross. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were the occult community there. Like the Satanist community mm. was trying to... I think they already did erect a statue of Baphomet somewhere in the city. It's kind of metal. Yeah, super metal. <laughs> I think that's as metal as it gets. Um, but they were receiving huge backlash from everyone. 
because of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like they should be able to, as long as it's not hurting anyone. And there's so many variables and tangents we can go into from there. But at the base of it all, if it's not hurting anyone, I think people should do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. So I think if they built a statue of Baphomet, which who is Baphomet? Isn't it's like another? It's the incarnation of Satan. Mm-hmm. Baphomet. The what's it called? Not the epitome. Epitome. <laughs> Y'all are dumb. The personification of Lucifer. It generally mm-hmm. like through a goat. Yeah, it's like a human a with like headed. a goat head and hooves. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think we're gonna have like. We don't have all the answers, whatever. <laughs> and furthermore, our opinions, it's okay if they differ from anyone else. Like, that's totally right, fine. Yeah. But I 100% agree with you in that if you want to worship how you want to worship and it's not hurting anyone, then do it. Go for it. And power to you. Power to you. Ooh. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> do no. as thou wilt. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's how I feel about it. No, I, I agree. Like... As long as you're not hurting someone, you have freedom of speech. You have freedom of uh, expression. But also, those people who are giving the backlash have the same freedoms. It's true. So I'm like, I personally don't judge someone for doing anything because it's not hurting someone. But also, I'm not going to say you can't like. I think say that's anything. what they were trying to create, like a movement or a petition to bring that statue down. Okay. Well, I mean, let that's a right though as well. To petition that, but like if it passes, then that's it's interesting an infringement on the other the person's right. Right, so it's like dang. For the- Usually, like the argument is, you should never let your belief hinder mine, or like you know what I mean. Just because you believe it doesn't mean I need to change my actions for it. But yeah, yeah. If you truly believe in like freedom of expression, then like they should be able to protest it. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like, but then you get into like the the voice of the many versus the few and mm. stuff like that. But it's like I just yesterday watched that stupid monster energy drink review from <laughs> that mommy blogger where she says devil or drink up and the devil laughs. That's a classic <laughs> YouTube video. If you are an internet nerd, you've probably seen this. Oh, if 100%. not percent. Probably power to you. <laughs> you should look it up anyway. But know? I was like thinking the whole time, like, I mean, this is your right to think that monster is Satan, but I'm still going to drink it. Yeah, all her claims were what, like the the monster, lo- like there were so many different things that she was pulling to say that monster was <laughs> she, of the devil. She yeah. even brought like up- the Hebrew number for six is like a little mark to the side and then straight down. And there's three of those for the monster logo. She's like at six six six, and then so many different things in there. She even up. brought up the fact that they said even milfs like it on the back. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? that's part of their branding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Freaking monster, you trashy, <laughs> trashy trolley dude. <laughs> Another kind of related video that you should look up if you find that one humorous is the mom reading North North. Yeah, <laughs> there's a song by uh, one of our favorite rappers, Vince Staples, called North North. And this mom is reading the lyrics from it because she was dropping her daughter off at home and or dropping her daughter off at school. And the radio was on. It was playing the radio edit version of North North and daughter was singing along with it. She's like, yeah, everybody at school knows the song, yada, yada. 
So she went home and looked up the lyrics, and she is losing it. Shook to mm-hmm. her core. Shook. Yeah. <laughs> that, okay, so my opinion is not right. I'm not saying it's sh- everyone should adopt it, but this is just how I feel. Is If another person's belief is not harming you physically, then don't let it harm you like mentally and spiritually. I and, agree. Like, let them be lem- them, let you be you, and... With the addition of if it's also not harming other people. Sorry, that, yeah, that caveat added. And so I agree. But yeah, 100% agree with that. Bro, we getting deep on this episode. <laughs> we, talking, we talking opinions on like important <laughs> ethics, bro. <laughs> so uh, what do y'all think of Trump? <laughs> 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 Moving along. <laughs> right there roll this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors big and small when we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively i have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light lightness in my heart my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m. and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay, I gotta get an eighteen or else I'm out. That's my last step. <laughs> Charles is out. One. Seventeen. So Sean, me, and Charles. Cool. <clears throat> All right. So a couple of episodes ago, 
I told a story from my friend, the HR guy from oh, work. Oh, yeah. Who like a, he's a counselor for the youth? Yeah, no, his friend is a counselor. Okay, sorry. For, for these youth programs out in West Utah Desert. And I told the story of them going and discovering this cave out in the Sheep Rock Mountains, mm-hmm. which we also posted a photo for, which was kind of Earlier dope to week. see that. Yeah, yeah. I got more stories from him. Dope. Related. Related. Oh, my. Cool. <laughs> so um, with that being said, just kind of a quick refresh on the previous story, which is there are these youth programs out in West Utah Desert where they just basically take underprivileged youth out and help them build survival skills and like help them deal with like stress and stuff like that to kind of help them. And then one day they go and try and explore this cave they see up in the mountains, which turns out to be uh, supposedly, allegedly, the location for secret cult rituals. And then, as well, these cult members start harassing them and chasing after them throughout the West Desert. Yeah, and if you want to listen to the episode, it's episode 38, Newberry House. I highly suggest you listen to part one because it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go listen to it. Now... The other stories are also related to this incident. Now, his, this guy, his name is Dan. He's one of the counselors. He mentioned, first of all, in the other information that I got, that on the way back from the first cave incident, or the cave incident, which is what they started to refer to it as, mm. uh, one of the counselors that was with them quit and just left <laughs> that f- the drive home. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been me, dude. I mean... There are some red flags I would not want to deal with anymore. I'd be like, I'm going to go grab some snacks from some the c- car. Some cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, some cigarettes. There was. Just trigger all those kids. Right, you slow. <laughs> <laughs> Just like those kids. Sorry. They're like, oh, tell my dad I said hi. <laughs> At the store. <laughs> um, so there were the four counselors that were on the cave incident. One quit. And then one ended up moving up in this program to be like one of the head counselors. Two of them stayed kind of in their their role at this time anyways. At least this is what kind of appears like based on the other information that he gave me. Do you know what happened to Dan? Dan is one of the ones that stayed in his, his role. Okay. So he mentions that the harassment did not stop. As they continued doing these uh, these youth expeditions out into the Utah West Desert, he mentions one time where he and another counselor take one of the kids out because it was just a one on one, which they do apparently, and the other guy is a brand new counselor, so he has no idea. <laughs> now Dan as well, <laughs> he mentions he didn't really trust anyone at this point, like. He ended up trusting other counselors as he got to know them, but like he was very paranoid and suspicious of other people at this point because it was so, all so new. And so they take out this this kid out into the desert. They're going to do some like uh, survival activities and whatnot. And one of the nights, they set up their camp, and he's kind of gotten into the habit of setting up the camp much farther away from the road so that... Uh, and from the dirt roads, that's essentially what they are out there. So that anyone who didn't know their exact location would not be able to find them. Dan has gotten into the habit of setting up camp further away from the road so that anyone who didn't know their exact location, their GPS location that they would report every day to the uh, head office, wouldn't be able to find them. Huh. 
So one morning they wake up after they've set up camp where they, they've kind of camped out here in the middle of the desert and they see this truck kind of coming along the dirt road and it stops just about a half a mile away from them. They don't really see anyone get out. It's kind of, it's pretty far away. They just see kind of the cloud of dust essentially. So they thought it was one of the other counselors coming to bring supplies or whatever it is. But, so as they're standing there, and he's looking at the truck that just stopped. He hears just like this really loud whistle like he had never heard before. And then all of a sudden in the tarp behind him, he sees this hole that just appears. And then he hears the sound of gunshot. Oh, shit. I was like, what? The hole just... Oh, gosh. So in a split second, he and Bill and the kid hit the ground. They're trying to get out of range of whatever is going on. Sorry, this is just registering in my head with like what's going on. Yeah, dude. So it's the, like a, a tarp behind that they had set Dan up has a all hole. of a sudden whoosh, something's ripped through it, and then they hear the bang. Yeah, it's like he heard the bullet go past his yeah. head. Yep, hole appears. They hear the bang, so they hit the ground. <laughs> How disorienting! You'd be like, "Wait, what? What's what? going on?" And yeah. Then, so they know. they both hit the ground instantly, and they hear a couple other gunshots and they they like hear them hitting around them now bill the other counselor he doesn't know what happened with the cave incident so what comes to his mind is maybe it is some hunters just coming to target practice and what they're seeing what they think they're seeing is just garbage that someone has left up in the in the desert mm. and so he stands up again <gasps> to start yelling at him bill no and then Dan kind of pulls him back down, and Bill's like, "Oh no, I gotta go to the, I gotta go to the road to tell him this is us." And he's like, "No, I have a feeling that this is not by accident." <laughs> I, <laughs> Without telling him on the spot exactly what has happened, he's like, "Hey, um, you should listen to this podcast episode twenty-eight. <laughs> I need to tell you some things that happened out here." Right. Too little, too late. Right now, though, <laughs> Bill has no, has no idea what's going on. He does, however ignore for the time being what Dan has told him and starts like running towards the road. And Dan says he can see just like puffs of dirt going, they're being hit by bullets as Bill Mm -hmm. is running. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's when Bill all of a sudden realizes they're actually aiming Mm. at us. Mm -hmm. And so they like get down and like try and hide. And eventually the shooting stops and Dan is able to get to the little like sat phone that they have. He first of all calls the sheriff's office and the sheriff's like, We're going to send a car, but the closest one is 70 miles. (laughs) Good luck, mate. Okay, bye. And then they call the uh, head office, and they said they're going to send someone over immediately, and they're a little bit closer. But then at this time, the truck starts taking off. It starts leaving. Away. Mm -hmm. They see it going off into the distance, and then they kind of head towards the road, find out where the truck was parked, and they see all the the shell casings right around where they were shooting and stuff like that. They have no idea who it was or what was going on. He not, does. Not smart. <laughs> of whom? The shooter. Because you can get the shell casings and then find the, like that would help in the investigation. True, yeah. true. And he mentions that the sheriffs did end up showing up and they like took their, their uh, statements, but they never heard from them again after that. Which, I mean, I guess, I don't know how that works. If they hear about it or if you're not actively seeking that information, I don't know. Yeah. DM me, bro. <laughs> Be like, please let Officer me know. Bob, please, yeah. Slide in. <laughs> Whenever you catch these freaks out here in the desert. It's sad because I could see that to an, uh, and who knows, this is complete 
speculation, but I could see to an officer you not taking that so serious. But to you, it's like someone tried to kill me. That was attempted murder. You know? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. No. I mean. But like, what are you supposed to do as an officer? Okay, yeah. I'll look out for a truck. I'll look out for a truck, and if those those rounds are bought illegally or whatever it is, or the the guns illegal, I don't know how much you can do at that point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like to an officer. Is there like a serial number on the bullet you could look up that is like registered to the person who bought it? Probably, you know what I'm saying. Well, I think what they do is they track like where it was bought, the shell casings. They can find out where they sell it, where they sell it, but also what gun it's coming from. Like what kind of guns? And that's where they track. It's like this is not a not a rocket launcher. (laughs) It's not a needle. Not an energy sword. (laughs) Not a (laughs) needle. But anyways, now Bill's looped in. Knows the cave incident happened. Um, Low-key, how pissed would you be if you were Bill? Like, bro, you didn't tell me what was going on out here? (laughs) For real. I'd be a little upset. (laughs) Now, um, they kind of go their separate ways. Nothing really happens for a little bit. Now, another time, and this happened in October, uh, him, Dan, and one of the other counselors that kind of stayed in their same role after the cave incident, uh, whose name was uh, Katie, I think, um, they end up going on another expedition with a larger group of kids again. So there's a couple of um, counselors, uh, a bunch of kids. Now, he mentions that this group was actually a really good group. is a bunch of, like, boys that were really excited, or not really excited, but were just, like, compliant <laughs> and weren't dragging their feet the whole time. But he said that they uh, enjoyed that group that they were with. Mm. And it was right around October. And he said that the holidays, while they're out on the trail, were actually really good experiences for them. They would bring stuff like special foods or whatever it is to kind of make it a little more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So they're in October. And he says around October 31st is when this kind of happened. So they brought special snacks? snacks he said this time they brought like some paint and stuff that they could like uh (laughs) draw and stuff like that but they only brought it out like on the actual day um but anyways they have this other large group out in the desert it's october it's kind of chilly at night um remind me of what this is again it's like underprivileged youth okay where it's not scouts not scouts it's not the Pawnee goddesses. Not the Pawnee goddesses. <laughs> it's uh closer to like uh Is it a for kids home? like trouble kids? Yeah. Okay. Like foster camping. It's like holes without the holes. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Dig five feet deep and five feet around. He's searching for gold in the West Desert. <laughs> but anyways. So um he says they went and set up camp one night. And also, like like he mentioned earlier, they try and get far enough away from the road to where no one's going to really know where they are unless they know their mm-hmm, exact location. Mm-hmm. Round three. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he also kind of goes into a little bit of detail on what they would have to do as far as digging latrines. According to state like code, they would have to go like 200 yards away. And then according to like the rules of this company that they work with, the foster or whatever, underprivileged youth, um, it had to be close enough to where you could hear them yell their name. So it was about 200 yards. And then they would also have to dig another hole for wastewater and stuff like that. Who's checking if they're digging holes? 
God. <laughs> Just God. <laughs> uh, well, he he does mention that there are uh, a group of staff members that will check on them when they d- aren't expecting it. Ah. So, uh, additionally, they would have to dig a fire pit as well. So, if at least three holes. The fire pit would be in camp. The other two would be outside of camp, a couple hundred yards at least. That night, they're sitting around the camp fire. They're doing their face paint or finger painting or whatever it is. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> And he gets up to go to his tent to kind of grab his beanie because it starts getting a little more chilly that night. As he's going to his tent, he sees someone about 30 feet away from him, kind of walking away from the fire. Now, he sees them in time to where he notices that this person is wearing kind of the gear that the students wear or these underprivileged youth. So his first thought is, it's one of the kids. But then as he tries to call out their name, we're like, who is that? Uh, they kind of disappear into the, the shrubbery. He goes back then, Dan, goes back to the campfire and checks in with like all the students and the counselors, and they're all there. Now, there's kind of two things that come up in his mind at this point. He doesn't mention to the other counselors what he's seen, but the person he did see was wearing the gear that the students wear. And he mentions that at this point, they didn't use like popular gear or whatever. It was smaller local brands or from all over the place. And really the only two options are that they came into camp and stole it. Or that someone that works for the company is giving it to them. Hmm. Now, he mentions that because that second option is what he feels like is actually the truth. Oh. Because That's even scarier to me, dog. Because in the various harassment situations that he's dealt with over the past few months, they were still able to find them. They've, that's what I was wondering. How did they find um, the truck last time? And these harassment situations only happened to either him or the other counselor that was also at the cave incident that was still working in their same role. Like Catherine? Or Ka- Katie, Katie, I think. Katie. So they knew where they were and knew who they were. Got like a bone to pick or something. Yeah, something like that. But that's a ser- like you can get hurt doing stuff like that. I mean, it's true. I don't. Well, I don't. Someone's shooting bullets at you, so it's not. It's innocent breaking. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like they're just trying to harass them. Um, and he mentions as well that Katie had dealt with those various harassment situations, like someone had come and slashed their water jugs and stuff like that. Uh, while they're out in the desert so that they didn't have water. Stuff like that. Now, with that being said, those two options run through his mind as he realizes the person he saw was not one of the students and not one of the counselors. Now, as he's kind of like thinking about this, he tells Katie because she was at the cave incident. And he obviously trusts her. And he obviously trusts her. He's She's the one that he does trust at this point. One of the students kind of like looks at him and is like, are there people out there? And he was like, no, there's no one out there. And then the student was like, yeah, there are. We saw them. Oh, gosh. They were up there on the hill watching us. And at this point, he kind of quick reacts and says, that was the staff coming to check on us, make sure we were complying with rules while we don't think anyone is watching. Yeah. And the student kind of responds pretty quickly like, you're lying. Oh. And he's like, 
uh, I am, but like kind of is more of a statement <laughs> than like a question. Give me your damn oh, paint back. <laughs> <laughs> he knows he is. Um, so uh, at this point, he starts to get more freaked out. Like there's someone out there. He just saw someone. And he doesn't told any of the students at this point either. That night, they kind of all get a little bit closer into camp, and that's become one of his, his protocols that he's kind of come up with over the past few months as well. That was like me, you, and Jordan after hearing uh, the, goat the start man? of the Goat Man. When Bro, Jackson just like huddled together in just that the tent. tightest spoons in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just so scared. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of the protocol that they had come up with, or he had come up with to to make it more secure. Now, as he's laying there, not sleeping that night, he starts to hear voices in the desert, like hushed voices, like people whispering to each other. And he starts to see people walking around in the desert as well because it's it's not a full moon, but it's not cloudy. So there's a little bit of light. And what he notices is that more of the people that are walking around also have the same gear as the students. So they're getting it from somewhere. And with more people having that gear more than likely it's this company, like someone, someone within on the, the company. Inside. Yeah. And then he also notices one person wearing just buckskin clothing. So is he looking out of his tent? How is he seeing this going on? I think he was sleeping under the stars. Ooh. That's what it seemed like from the story. Okay. What if they were like... Or maybe it was like oh. a tarp or something that was over him. Yeah. What if they were groups that went like years before he worked there and they all took out their leaders and just created a tribe out in the wilderness. And like one of these these underprivileged groups. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna wait to the end, but my theory is what if it's like one of the troubled youth who have come back and vowed to like mess with this. It's it's possible. It's mess kind with of this company. strange though. We that ain't no had no one... paint twenty years ago. <laughs> um I think it's strange though that nothing happened until after the cave incident though. Yeah. I feel like if that was the case that they would have started earlier and they would have harassed everyone, not that just seems the to people. be the catalyst that set it off. Yeah. Um, so he notices one of the people is wearing kind of this buckskin clothing, which is also what he had seen at the cave incident. So is that almost like animal hide stitched together? Animal okay. hide stitched together, just like a leathery outfit. And he recognizes that person Yikes. in the dark, um, just by the clothing anyways. So he just is preppered for anything, but he doesn't want to move because he doesn't want to alert them that he's awake. Um, and they kind of dissipate as the night goes on and go away from the actual camp that has been set up. Just hang out on the outskirts. Hang out on the outskirts. Freak them out a little bit and leave. Yep. That's weird. Now, one of the other counselors wakes up early in the morning to kind of check on everyone, and she comes back and grabs, and I think it was Katie actually, she comes back and grabs Dan, and she's like, I need to talk to you. So they start going out towards the latrine. One of the other counselors is like, oh, what are you guys doing? We need to talk about something. He's like, no, you go ahead and stay with the boys right now. Because like he said, he didn't really trust him because he was new so far. Yeah. So they go out towards the latrine, and they get there, and she's like, look what I found. And there's a pile of fresh bones just by the latrine, bloodied, still meat on the bones. And they're both kind of freaking out. And they're like, we got to hide this so that the boys don't see it. So they dig a hole real quick, hide all of the bones, and then they start like kind of searching the footprints and stuff to see if there's anything else. And eventually they find a dead 
sheep just out in the desert another couple hundred yards away from camp. And the sheep just looks weird. Like like mutilated? Mutilated. It had like the what? same signs like carved into its body that they had seen inside the cave. So um, that's all happening. And they kind of go back to the camp because they want to they hide this as well from the boys. But then they see another one of the counselors coming from the road, not one that was with the party originally. But it is one of the counselors who was at the original cave incident that seemingly moved up in their role. Uh-huh. And is just coming upon them now, days into their trip? Well, they asked about it and right as she was coming along. And, he, and she was like, yeah, I'm picking up so-and-so because his family is taking him. So it, it seemed like a legitimate excuse to be there. But then they're like, we need to show you because she was there and so she knows. So they show her the dead sheep. And she's like, this is not good. <laughs> Obviously, right? Yes. Um, and then she's like, where are its bones? Because the sheep is mutilated and he knows it like looks strange but doesn't realize that it doesn't have bones. It's missing its bones. Which then they're like, oh, shit. We just buried a bunch of fresh bones over by the latrine. They kind of realize that there's the bones there and there's sheep here. And then this other counselor that just got there, she was like, well, this is directly south of camp, and your latrine is directly east of camp. Have you checked west and north yet? And they're like, west suspicious. and north of what? Suspicious. And, I'm suspicious and, so of this lady. <laughs> she like has all these You're answers. solving too much too quick. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, shit. So they go then towards the west of their camp, and they find what looks like not necessarily blood, but maybe the f- bodily fluids of the sheep mixed with blood and stuff just dumped into this desert. So it's like stained, this dark black color. And then they head north. North. And they see a pile of just sheep's wool a couple hundred yards away from camp. So at this point, they're freaking out. They don't know what to do. And it's all like triangulating their camp position. They're in the center. They're yeah. in the center of it. So at this point, they don't know what to do. They get the kids out of there. They leave with this other counselor. He mentions at this point that the harassment becomes less and less over the months after. This was the most intense thing that happened to him. But he still could never figure out what was going on. And he still didn't know what group or who it was in the office, if there was someone in the office, that was tipping them off. But he said he believed that there was because they always knew where they were and which group the people that had been at the incident were in. I would have given out different coordinates to each person in the office. That's a good idea. Put Katie at one, me at the other. Who at wherever an incident occurs, that's your effing dude. It's true. That's true. Suspect. And I don't know like how many people were in the office as well, but it's a good idea to start there, just being like, we need to give people different information because then you can kind of whittle it down you know is he still working out there no he's he's uh he's moved on and like i, th- I think he said he was a doctor <laughs> he was going through school at this point and i think he was like he became like the president yeah <laughs> it was like his name was donald Bar- <laughs> donald barack o clinton <laughs> <laughs> uh that's crazy talk about a freaking hostile work environment dude <laughs> you have people trying to kill you and potentially co-workers who are helping them try to kill you and then not the easiest job either handling some troubled youth yeah 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 try not to 
smack a child <laughs> constantly. Yeah, no, I was, I was just like, this is, this is freaking crazy having to deal with this, and then all of the outside people are in on it. That's what's scariest to me. That's the scariest element to me. I don't like that. Why did that dude stop shooting? I don't know. Maybe they didn't have any more ammo. Didn't like, have any more ammo. Maybe they expect up with to their, kill them in the first couple shots. Their zero percent accuracy. Yeah. They were ashamed. They were, they were making it easy. Yeah, they were, they were standing there like what bullets? Yeah, and then they just crouched down. Yeah, and I, I imagined them hitting the ground and like army crawling, except for Bill. I would have just rolled, like dude. Was, yeah, dude, yeah, if yeah. gaming taught me anything, you need to ad strafe. Yeah, you need to be strafing, dog. Crouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jumping and crouching. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it, dude. <laughs> yeah, but no, that that whole story is just it's <sighs> it's it's crazy to think about and to be in that scenario too. I want answers so bad. So he's actually gonna be in town <gasps> again in, this summer sometime, Victor was telling me. And I was like, we should have him on. And he's like, Yeah, I'll let him. him know. Well, his friend or Victor, I'll freaking, our guy, if he gonna, wants, I'll cloak his face and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bring him through. I found a yeah, I'm gonna, sheep. I'm gonna let him know if he wants to come on because those are just a couple chapters in his book that he's writing about his, oh my his um, experiences out there. Hell yeah, bring cool. him on. Yeah. So I'm gonna let him know. That would be dope. What if like he attracts Moleskin Man here? <laughs> Moleskin Man? Yeah, that's what I'm gonna start calling him. Oh, maybe, dude. Yikes. That's Dude, weird. That's, that's crazy. That's yeah. truly terrifying and exhilarating. <laughs> Reminds me of the story you told where they woke up in the middle of the night or they woke up the next morning or something and they found a single set of footprints. The human bare footprints? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was in the Uintas. So opposite See direction, but still terrifying yeah. and close. <laughs> opposite direction, still terrifying. Yikes. All right. Well, hopefully he comes on. Yeah, no, I'm going to let him know if we can. That would be sick. I think it's like July that he's going to be in town is what Victor was saying. But cool. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Keep us updated. Yep. Dude, thank you. You good? Yep. All right. So April 2005, a video game was released called Perplex City. And it was an ARG, an alternate reality game. So basically it uses real world elements and your own actions and choices to influence the game. So real world elements. Yeah, like the point of this game was to solve all these clues and riddles in the real world that would lead you to a real world treasure. Wow. Oh, dope. So the alter, like the end of this game was to find the Ricada cube. And the person who find the Ricada cube would win a hundred thousand pounds, IRL, British pounds. Yeah, in real life. So, this was a, a game that was developed and released by a UK gaming development company. The cube was found two years later uh, by somebody who was also from the UK, and they received their prize money. And uh, dope. Yeah, it was dope. There was one aspect of the game, though. It wasn't part of the main thing, but it was definitely big enough where you could... Like, have you ever played an open world game and there's side quests? Yep. Like, you can finish a main quest, but there's a bunch of side quests that you can do 
to get different rewards or have different experiences that add to the story. So in simple terms, they had a side quest and there were these puzzle cards and there were 256 puzzle cards, almost like Pokemon cards. You could buy them. You open the pack and there were like five or six levels of difficulty and they had... In the game you'd buy them? No, no, in real life. Whoa, they were mixing. And when, yeah, it's crazy. So you would buy them and... Some of the cards contain like hidden features like ultraviolet or heat sensitive inks. They cover a broad range of topics from pop culture, trivia, to cryptography, to logic, brain teasers. Really cool. So when you solved them, you could log on to the website, put in your answer, and they would give you points. But out of the 256 cards, there are two cards that have yet to be solved. One of them is card 237, the Riemann Hypothesis. That's the room in The Shining. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Which was an interesting coincidence, but I don't think there's any correlation. Sorry, what what was it called, though? The Riemann Hypothesis. Uh, The Riemann Hypothesis is just like a mathematical conjecture, almost like a theory. There's a lot of strong claims and evidence that support this conjecture but there's no hard like solutions that prove it or disproves it so it's just a theory yeah so the card is prove the riemann hypothesis like people can work on it Uh and find one but nobody has yet Hmm. come up with the right equation or whatever to solve it the second card is the last one Card 256. And the card is called Billion to One. And if you look at this card, there's a picture of a man, and it's just a portrait of his face. And in the background, there are these old buildings. And this is a real person. And on the side, there are Japanese characters running down. And that's all it is. The translation of the character says, find me and when you go to the website i think each card has a small hint the the hint for this card is my name is satoshi i was gonna say is he a japanese man he's a japanese man so satoshi is somebody who has not been found by anybody and this game came out in 2005 so checking the website they they so people still like update it frequently because when I just checked it, it said as of February 2020, nobody has found Satoshi yet. Wow, yeah. Are those cards important to winning something at this point? If someone's already won the 100k, no, it's really just a side quest, like a fun thing to do. Okay, but there's a, a website called findsatoshi.com and theories and facts and kind of like a forum where people can contribute. There's like hardcore uh, fans of this game. Has 4chan attempted? Dude, there's like a the subreddit for chain? it. <laughs> Hacker Man yeah. himself. Yeah, has Florida that. Man. <laughs> um, I'm sure they have. Hmm. Well, if they can't do it, I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it's, it's just kind of a crazy real-life mystery unsolved of who this man is. He has no social media 
nothing. There are a couple, and when I say a couple, I mean less than five known people who are confirmed to know Satoshi in real life, but they were developers on the game. So they're not allowed to share the information. So that just made me think of, is it Cicada? We yeah. talked about that? Uh, we like talked about well, maybe one day covering it. Yeah. Yeah, the Cicada project or mm-hmm. Cicada 1313. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. These types of things are fascinating to me. It's like controlled mysteries, uh-huh. hunts that Forest lead to. Fan. Yeah. A lot of times, sometimes there's treasure or a reward involved. Sometimes it's just for like the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So. <clears throat> sounds sounds weirdly familiar. <laughs> what is that from? No, just to the bl- the the mm-hmm. the project we've worked on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I I wasn't trying to mention any of that. I don't know if you. That's care. all I'm gonna say. Okay, I'm sorry. I know I spent a lot of time reading on this. Uh-huh. And to be honest, I don't have much information, much no, more information it. from that. But I was wondering if we could talk about like Cicada 3301 right now, and yeah, and delve into these kind of. It's it's kind of creepy because you don't know who sometimes. Well, in this case, we know it, it comes from a video game developer. I was going to say, do you have some background on like for people listening? D- this video game, the developer, the Cicada, oh, Cicada three oh thirty three oh one. Yeah, uh, it was like a internet web phenomenon that happened in the early twenty tens. How about how about one of us reports on it next time with like the facts and outline? Okay. I just, I'll, I'll do that too. Because I have a couple on. stories and we're already at. Yeah, we'll just leave it at, at, a, at a short. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it short. Well, okay. And open-ended and I'll, I'll get into that next time. I'll study up on Circada 3301. It's dope though. I don't know. Like I said, the thrill of the hunt, something that's fascinated, fascinating that, to all of us here. Hardcore. We've thought about different things um, to try and create that experience. But yeah, find Satoshi. The fact that we live in an age where you can find out everything about virtually anyone, Mm -hmm. but 15 years later, we haven't been able to find this man. I think that's what's so attractive to me, too, is in a world of ever-decreasing mysteries, when there are true mysteries still, they like have more value. It's Mm -hmm. one that stands the test of time, essentially, right? Yeah, Yeah, actually, yeah. And so like DJ mentioned... We've bonded a lot on mysteries and hidden treasure. Mm-hmm. Something we like dove into quite a bit a couple years ago. You remember that one time we watched videos of Forrest Fenn's treasure for like a whole day mm-hmm. at like Nolan's house? Yeah, if you don't know anything about For- Forrest Fenn, he's still alive, but he's this archaeologist, historian who has, uh, he's been interviewed and in his house. There are items and relics that he's found in his excavations that are so cool from all over the world, different cultures spanning different time periods. I think he has like a peace pipe from Sitting Tonto Bull or something like that. Yeah, like a super famous Native American. He has like a peace pipe. Like he's, cre- he's collected these pieces from all mm-hmm. over the world. But he's gotten a few of these pieces, thrown them in some type of, I guess, treasure chest or box and hidden them somewhere in the Rocky Mountain range. And he's written a book, and at the end there's a, a riddle 
or a poem. It's like two small paragraphs and all in all, it's like less than 10 sentences. But he claims that all of that entire riddle or poem gives you all the clues to find this. And he says that once in a while he goes to check on where he buried it or hid it or placed it and it's still there. Mm-hmm. This has been going on for, I don't know, a couple decades? Probably, yeah. Yeah. But um, there's very, very enthusiastic communities around the Forest Fin Treasure. There's different parties who believe different things. There's very guarded information and theories. Yeah. And the value of this was how much? In I the think millions. Three million. Yeah. In the millions, like if you were to sell it or something. Yep. But um, it's just out there for anyone to find. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have a, you guys would know better. So you should probably tell it. But the treasure in the cave here in Utah. We were explicitly told, oh. do not go into this cave. From, what? When? From this I'm old not. like Native American woman <laughs> and said, Oh, this. from your friend. Yeah. I think I mentioned this really early on the podcast. Okay, well, what but I'm going to reiterate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a lot of facts other than there's a lot of accounts and records of Spanish treasure and Native American treasure disappearing in Utah specifically. And one of my buddies was in IT and he worked with a Native American woman who knew a lot of folklore surrounding it and had heard a lot of things and got close to my friend Dylan. Not sexually. <laughs> um, just work friends. And was having a conversation with him and said, hey, I think she pulled up Google Maps and zoomed in. And she goes, she was very obsessed with this treasure and said, I believe that this treasure is here and showed him on a map. And Dylan was like, let's go. And she's like, no, you are not allowed. That land is cursed and that treasure is cursed. And I think she like took down the browser, closed out the window. And he's like, no, seriously, like I, I don't care about curses. <laughs> I, I'll go. And she's like, no, no, no. And she like wouldn't talk about it again. That's mildly infuriating. So I told the Dylan. Few, the proud. I was like, Dylan. The Dylan. Can you remember where the F that went? And he's like, I can remember like the general area, but not the exact coordinates. Bruh. So. I don't know. We need to go find that treasure. Treasure hunting is actual occupation. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Sean has a book about treasure hunters. And it's their real life account of finding like Spanish treasure off the coast of Florida. Dude, it's crazy. They get like funding from private either entities or people, but it's like millions of dollars to go find stuff. Mm-hmm. That's their job. Yeah. They that spend years, sense. but they, they spend years and years of research, history, pouring over records of pirates, <laughs> priests. You know what I mean? It's basically like national treasure. <laughs> That's how much they know about everything. Still hmm. the <laughs> no. Anyway, yeah. There, there's a lot out there. Find Satoshi. Ooh. Ooh. Satoshi, if you're listening, bro, hit us up. Uh, real quick, the picture is in France. One of the uh, lead, I guess, investigators for this is this e girl. Uh, and I think she is like the moderator of the website Find Satoshi. But she's been to the location where they took the picture. She took a picture there too. But it's like in this old town in France. And they're like, we don't know why he was there. You know, 
because they check the records of that place and there's not very Japanese people who live there or have lived there and their names aren't Satoshi. But Satoshi in general is apparently a common name in Japan. So There are a lot of different pictures coming up when I Googled it. Let me see. It's the first one. Whoa. I found him. <laughs> Sean's like, did, did y'all just Google him? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Cool. That's sick. Is that you? That is me. Dope. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm up. Okay. Real quick. Burma, 1945. I think the same year as your story from last week. Is this the crocodile incident? <laughs> it is. Damn. So I just wanted to, because I mentioned it, so I just wanted to do it real quick. This isn't my real story, but. Sharks and crocodiles. So the Brits in the, in, in India, in the Indians from India. Do you still call them Indians from India? Yeah. Thanks. That's, that sounds right. Okay. So the Brits and Indians, they had lost an island of Ramri off the coast of Burma to Japan in World War II. They think. Okay, we got to go back and take it. So they decide to storm the shores of this island and fight the Japanese off to reclaim the island. There's about 900 troops near the shore. They come, they engage battle with them. They have a battleship. They have air support. They have all these different things. And so... Oliphants. They said the Japanese... (laughs) Yeah, they had Oliphants. The works. They have Oliphants. Um... (laughs) The Japanese fought ferociously, but ultimately decided that they were going to retreat back to a larger squadron of of Japanese soldiers. Mm -hmm. So 900 Japanese men turn around and start retreating through 10 miles of mangroves. Nope. Mangroves suck. There is a swamp area 10 minutes away from my house, my hometown. It's called Heia. And mangroves are trees that grow in the water yeah mm-hmm. like all the roots come out of the water and then the, but like it's nearly impossible to walk through those yeah yeah it's it's super difficult terrain and a lot of islands have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet of mangrove like around along, the outside along the coast yeah. yeah 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 it's like walking like on the top of a jungle gym like <laughs> the entire time you either walk through like chest height water or try to like balance on like rickety little roots right yeah yeah so these mangroves were home to huge snakes a ton of spiders disease-ridden mosquitoes and the largest reptiles in the world saltwater crocodiles so the brits and the indians those are still dinosaurs dude 100 yeah. percent. these crocodiles they grow the average is anywhere from 17 to 20 feet 1,000 to 2,000 pounds. No, dude. That's hard pass for me, bro. So the Japanese go back in, and instead of following them through, all the British soldiers do is they get on their boat and they start to surround the mangroves. Night falls, and they start hearing screams of terror punctured by gunshots and more screams of terror. So the accounts from the survivors... There was a ton of Japanese soldiers who were already wounded, who were making their way through. Blood is leaking into the water. And crocodiles just started snatching Japanese soldiers left and right. Um, they said it was like a nightmare 
a couple like a more than a day and a night so they spent a night in these mangroves and people right left and right being drug away underwater into the dark deep you know yikes so out of the 900 dude this summer or last summer right before jordan left to school in china we all went up to montana to his grandparents house which is a cabin that they built super beautiful we've talked about it before during that time but our last day there we kayaked the river uh-huh yeah <laughs> and this river was raging oh yep <laughs> <laughs> from the get-go we were falling off of our kayaks <laughs> By we, I mean me and someone else. (laughs) Uh, The funny thing was it was, what, three feet high? Yeah. (laughs) But I've never felt more in danger in three feet high water in my entire life. (laughs) Bro, if there was saltwater crocodiles in that water. Yeah, so imagine your tear probably like turned up like three or four percent, you know? (laughs) Just just a little bit. No, yeah, I I can relate to these these Japanese soldiers. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So from our um, floating the river, all of us survived. Out of the 900 Japanese soldiers that started going through the mangroves, 500 survived, meaning 400 were killed. Making this and setting the record for the world's worst saltwater crocodile attack on humans. So I'd rather swim with a bunch of sharks than a bunch of crocodiles. That's basically picking like shit over shit you know what i'm saying it's like they're both terrible Bro, are you sure it was bigger than that one time when like indiana jones barely makes it across the rope bridge and all like the soldiers start falling in and then they just like start death crawling in the water and you know, that so one my next story no, <laughs> no it's like well the thing is there are like a ton of accounts of relationships between humans and sharks not a ton of oh like, they don't take you on crocodile tours where you go swim with crocodiles. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. There is something more, like, reptilian and less feeling about a crocodile than a shark to me, even though that's weird. But do you yeah. know what I'm saying? No, I, I see you, though. I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to, like, I had mentioned it, so I just wanted to make sure we gave the facts. Mm-hmm. So, Well, sounds like it was payback for those sharks. <laughs> I mean, if you believe in karma, yeah. like... <laughs> Those Indians did. The Lord works in mysterious <laughs> ways, you know. Get wrecked. Okay. So my next story. All right. So a group of kids decide to go camping. They're 18 years old. They want to drink. They want to party. So they're like, all right, we're, we got to go way remote so we don't get in trouble. So they go down to the Apalachicola National Forest near Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's Florida. I won't be able to pronounce that either. (laughs) Don't care. I butchered it. Who cares? (laughs) Moving on. So they drive seven hours to this national forest. Really trying to get away. Then when they get there, they continue to drive as deep as they can, like away from the main roads. Uh Uh-huh. They get there. They're 18 years old. They're hanging out. They're drinking Natty Lights. (laughs) They're just being all around sick and dope. (laughs) And two of them were like, I'm bored with this. We're going to go exploring. So on foot, they head out. They're walking down this dirt road that they're on, and they see like an even less traveled path. So they take that. Several hundred yards down that path, 
they start seeing signs of someone living there. There's large bags of trash. There's, I don't know, this or that, right? And they come around a bend and they see a van, a dog, which they said was a very good looking golden retriever. And a man outside his van, like hanging clothes on a line. And they think, F, don't want to deal with this dude. So they start to turn around. But before they can leave, hey, how you, do- how you guys doing? Man calls out. So they're like, hey, how you-, how you doing? And he's very cheerful. He comes up to them and they just start chatting. They chat for about 10 minutes and he, he finds out where are you guys from. They tell him where they're from. He says, oh, there's a national park right near you. I love that park. They start talking about national parks. He says, how long are you guys going to be here? And they tell him, and he says, you, sh- you should check this out. You should check that out. He starts naming all these cool things, right? Like, all right. It's a pleasant enough conversation. The only weird thing about it was he noticed every direction he gave him, instead of saying like feet or miles, he would give him directions in steps. So he'd be like, oh, that's about 60 steps that way, 400 <laughs> steps this way which he thought that was just weird, kind of stuck with them. That is weird. Just so the, like a 100,000 British pounds for a prize? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How much is that? Dude, I don't know. Oh, like 800 freedom bucks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no idea. Anyway, so they're like, all right, like whatever. Nothing really sticks out to them. They don't have a really weird feeling. They go back, they party, and they leave. Two months later, homeboy is sleeping. And he gets a call from his friend. He says, bro, you need to turn on the news right now. And in his writing of the story, he's like, you already know this, where this is going. But at the time, I didn't. So because to him, these two things are unrelated. So he's like, okay, turns right. on the news. He sees a van and a man. And he's like watching the news. He doesn't get it. He's like pissed at his friend for talk or waking him up. <laughs> And then he said, Stop he talking saw, to me, bro. He saw the golden retriever. Oh, and for some yeah. reason, that part, everything clicks in his brain. His hair stands on end, and he's attentive and alert listening to this news story. And this man has recently been arrested, and he's the convicted serial killer, Gary Michael Hilton. The original Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> So this man killed at least four people that they convicted him for all over. So in like North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, or something like that. And the last person that he killed was at that campsite like less than a week later Hmm. after they were there. Oh, damn. So him and his friend say, what do we do? They call the cops who get in touch with the FBI who have both of them flown down to show exactly where they were and what he had told them. So they do that. Wait, so he hasn't been caught yet? No, he's caught, convicted. Why do they want to question them then? Just to get more all info, the, all the info, all the evidence okay. to make sure that they can convict, convict them for everything. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see you. Apologies. They show them, they come back, they end up finding f- fragments of fingers near the places where they had <sighs> shown him. So they have them reflown out and they had to testify against this dude. So pretty scary. Some of the comments were like, or one of the comments that stood out to me was, I bet he didn't try anything with you guys because you were two males who he knew he couldn't overpower. But could you imagine if you were just like one dude or even worse, like one single female, you know? 
Right. He could have been one of was his Was that victims. his MO, like one single female yeah. or just one single person? It was females. Okay. Yeah. That Yeah, no, that's terrifying still. I was just going off the theme of you never know who you run into or anything like that, but... Yeah. We have a couple stories with the same kind of scenario. Just where close calls. And then they see it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That would be creepy. That would be a really surreal feeling. Because, <laughs> like, a lot of our stories, you don't get your answers, you know? But these ones, it's like you get your answers more than you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like, that's cringy at that point. Yeah, thinking, like, I was just there. Kind of like uh, when the the Notre Dame Chapel burnt down. Oh, right. It's like, man, I was just there visiting. (laughs) You dick. (laughs) (laughs) You know how everybody made it about them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's so sad for me. (laughs) And my memory of it. Yeah. Aw. I'm just kidding. Apparently, it's like backing up. It's back up and people are going through it again. Good. They got more donations for that than... All of Australia. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's crazy how news, like stories, overwrite other stories. Yeah. Like, it wasn't too long ago that Jeffrey Epstein was. Who? The, Who's yeah, that? Exactly. <laughs> was the talk of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it was Australia, or no, even before that was yeah. the Amazon, and then Australia, and then now it's. Well, they say we have like a 24-hour news cycle, and now it's like our news cycle, you know? Mm-hmm. Another story just erases the one before. I don't know. I think in some circumstances, people try to use that to their advantage. For sure. 100%. Like the Jeffrey Epstein one, like the sick people, the few who are pushing his agenda, were just trying to, with their wealth and power, buy time. And they knew that over time there's going to be another thing yep. to distract everyone. Wait. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. Never forget. Always remember. <laughs> All right, next story. Sean, when we were camping in Patagonia, do you remember the night of the mice? <laughs> I do remember the night of the mice. <laughs> uh, also the bobcat or uh, the cougar. Yeah. So there was a couple things we were we we went down to Patagonia, so Chile and uh, Argentina, and we hiked a pretty famous hike in Patagonia, known as the W. And so we took a ferry to the far end of the W, and we hiked back to like the beginning or the entrance of the park, essentially. Um, we had all of our camping gear with us. We had tents with us. All of our food for four or five days, and it it was awesome. It was a an amazing memory. Yeah. My wife and I had bought snacks from Costco, flown them down, got them through customs all the way down to Patagonia because <laughs> I wanted these snacks. And what were these snacks, you might ask? They were pretzel encased peanut butter bites. A. And I had them in my bag and it made my entire bag smell like peanut butter. <laughs> so every night... We were in a full-on war with mice. And my wife and our really good friend Janelle were hysterical fighting these mice. (laughs) They were in all of our stuff. So we're fighting for our life. And Sean and Kevin, who have the entrance of their tent open, 
and Kevin's laying Be- halfway out because he's hot because he's so hot. Where when they're like twenty minutes away from Antarctica, <laughs> yeah, and I have South like Pole. my sleeping bag pulled all the way up around my face, just peephole. Yeah, is it? Because I'm freezing. So they're essentially not sleeping in a tent. Yeah, they don't have any problems with mice. <laughs> <laughs> but every mouse in Patagonia is like waging war on us. So my wife and our friend are like hitting mice off our tent all night. <laughs> they know what's good, dude. I'd kill a man for those <laughs> peanut butter. Pretzels. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're like, dude, Kirkland brand is down here. Kirkland uh, signature. Fight. Stuart Little was like ready to go. No, dude, that's Ratatouille. <laughs> oh, <my bad. laughs> yeah, he knows the the finer things. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway so the worst happened was i also had brought because i i'm like that i'm that guy i'd brought sriracha packets Ay. to add to my ramen or rehydrated meal things. sriracha on everything but a mouse chewed through a sriracha packet and drank all the sriracha and then barfed it all on janelle's backpack <laughs> <laughs> i tried to hide it before she woke up because she was already like pretty mentally shook at that point but i couldn't and she saw it she was like what is that and i was like no sorry (laughs) (laughs) anyway good memories right right okay so this guy this other guy he's camping and same thing it's down near florida in the florida keys Mm -hmm. he does a lot of camping like every weekend he's camping so he has stories to do with large giant snakes alligators scorpions that crawl in his shoes he's survived it all and none of it compares to this one night so he went to one of his favorite places pretty remote and it's way out near a rock quarry and this rock quarry fills up with water and so he likes to swim in that rock quarry like during the day so he sets up his tent and he's getting ready to you know have a great day camping when a guy comes up to him starts to talk to him Now, near this rock quarry is a large dumping site. So there's old refrigerators, old uh, washing machines, cars, things like that. Just over the years, people have dumped a ton of stuff there. I thought this was remote. Yeah. Well, I guess (laughs) Floridans be like that. (laughs) Um, He did mention that it looked like no one had dumped anything there for years. And so this guy's talking to him and said, hey, we're going to clean this out. Um, so we're going to take most of the larger th- stuff away and then we're going to burn whatever's rest. And he's like, so you, you need to get out of here. So the kid camping packs up his stuff and moves several hundred yards up into the forest or the woods near him, sets his stuff up, has a fire, goes to sleep. And in the middle of the night, he hears a noise at his tent. Like at a, his tent? A light rustling on his tent. And then another one. And he opens his eyes and he's alert. And there's movement all around his tent. So he sits straight up. Doesn't have a weapon. He has a pocket knife. And he looks around and he sees hundreds and hundreds of rats. Oh, no, dude. Crawling up the strings of his tent. Crawling on the roof of his tent. Under the tarp. Burrowing under his tent. And he quickly realizes that the burning in the dump site has displaced thousands of rats and they are all coming directly at him. (laughs) (laughs) So he screams, jumps out of his tent and lights a huge fire and the rats seem to stay away. 
doesn't sleep for the rest of the night. Next morning, looks around, doesn't see a rat. Spends all day there, sees no rats, and thinks, I'm good. And goes to sleep for the second night. What an idiot, dude. <laughs> fool me once, fool me twice. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even drag this out. Yep. Second night is worse. Oh, <laughs> there gosh. are more rats. <laughs> they bring their homies. You said they brought their friends. It seemed like they yeah. had multiplied. There was more of them. Yeah. Oh gosh. So he no. does the same nightmare, jumps out, makes a huge fire. They seem to like kind of stay away. Barely sleeps. This dude is dedicated. So, for the third day, he packs his stuff up and thinks, I'm going to go somewhere else. So, he goes to another camping spot. Mm -hmm. It's kind of far away, not too far away. It's another one of his favorite camping spots. He gets there. He's about to set up, and he thinks, I'm just going to look around. Goes onto a dirt path near it, and there is an 11-foot alligator feet away from where he sleeps. (laughs) And he thinks, all right, I think I'm done camping for the weekend. Bro, nature is after you. Well, it, it, I mean, Florida is the Australia of America. <laughs> I was literally just going to say Florida is the Australia of America. Yeah. That's so funny. So he thinks, uh, I'm done. Everything's trying to kill you out there. <laughs> Goes home. That was the right choice, my good sir. Anyway, I had a couple more camping stories, but I'm going to cut it there because we are doing good on time but i do want to finish with one thing like a ton of other people i'm sure i've been taking more walks or runs outside lately yep yep out of sheer boredom and there is a large nature preserve or park type area near my home not going to say what it is because i don't want anyone to go looking for this but i went there with my wife today and we're walking and this thing is huge like way bigger than I thought. And as we're walking through, there's all these paths cutting through trees, shrubs, bushes, dirt. So you can go like, like the path just spider. You can go a hundred different ways. So we just kind of took one. And we come through a clearing in the trees and in stone, probably 40 by 40 feet is a perfect spiral in the ground. Looks like game of thrones type <laughs> north or ice walker stuff wait you're gonna tell us where this is right yeah i'll take you okay good i think that's kind of that's crazy and i'm up on top of a hill and this thing has a huge like almost valley down so i'm standing on this hill i'm like this is this is weird and it looks like it's been there for a long time and so i step to the edge of the valley and i look down and there's an abandoned amphitheater across the valley and i was like I was like, damn, dude, there's like so much stuff I've never explored. I've never seen any of this stuff. So we continue on our path. We This is fun or you're feeling kind of weird? I like it. Okay. <laughs> My wife, not so much. <laughs> no, <laughs> she, she's having, we're, we're having fun because we're outside for the mm-hmm. first time in a while. Yeah. And the sun is out, which hasn't been out all winter in Utah. Hmm. So we come around, we're walking and there's a lot of trees. It's pretty dense and I'm, don't know why, but I stop and I turn and I look through these trees and I think I see something. And so I said, hey, hold on. I got to go check this out and I'm going to show you what I saw. Oh, shit. And there's like twine up here. 
Whoa, dude. So That's describe scary, to dude. our people who are just listening. It looks like if you've seen the movie The Ritual, like something you would see in that movie, a bunch of sticks just leaning up against each other in kind of a dome shape with grasses covering the top to kind of cover it. And then a tiny little entrance on one side where you have to like bend over to even walk inside. And then on the inside, there looks to be a fire pit. There was a water bottle in there, bones. There's freaking twine in Super there. Super old bottles. Yeah. Yeah. There's just some like red flag type items in there. <laughs> yeah. It did look like the ritual slash the witch slash midsummer slash Blair Witch Project slash <laughs> hell no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I, I like thought I saw something and I decided to go through these trees. And there's a pretty substantial structure. Like it's not just sticks leaning. It's like a structure. Like oh, it's, you could potentially be dry during rain in there. It's probably 15 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really well camouflaged. And yeah, it's in the thicket of everything. So you had a good eye to notice that. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know why. Off- I was like walking and all of a sudden I was like, wait. And I looked through trees and I was like, hold on. Yeah, I was off the beaten path. Way off. Yeah. That's wild. That's a good find. Let's go back. Okay, I'll take with you guys. us. It's weirdly close to my house. Really? That's kind of scary. I am hoping that when we go back, it's no longer there, and there's oh, a note. My oh my! It says, "Don't come looking for us." Yeah. <laughs> we were watching you that day, or we're still watching. Oh you. my gosh! <laughs> anyway, I don't know. It is odd. That's odd. At the very least. Some kid has a rad treehouse out there. That's true. That's but best case scenario. Bones in there and bottles and stuff. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Hmm. It's mm. weird. Yeah. MJ didn't want to go with. No, she, I, I was just like, hang out here. I'm gonna check this out. So she just like was laying in the sun, and I like ran through these trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Nope, nope. Let's go though. That's done. I remember when I was a kid. I must have been about five, six years old. But my dad just wanted to go exploring, which he's not an outdoor person. Like, he hates hiking. He lives in Hawaii, doesn't like the beach. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I mean, he likes the beach, but they go, like, twice a year. Yeah. Like, my mom doesn't like, like, she doesn't even go in. He likes to go swimming, but he's not trying to go every week, you know. But, yeah, I didn't have any brothers at the time. It was just me and him. And we walked up the street, and we live really close to the mountains and we just started trailblazing through and I don't remember much from this day and I don't remember exactly where we went like where we could enter in and look for this place but it took maybe like a half an hour of going through the bush and we found several huge like totem poles just in the middle of the forest. I remember thinking it was super weird because it felt out of place. Because I knew it was kind of like a Native American thing, like the design of it. Oh, yeah. And it it definitely wasn't Hawaiian or Polynesian. Did they look new or weathered or like? A little weathered, but there was still paint on it. Hmm. And we left. We never went back. But it was just strange because there was no trails leading to it. We were just walking in the mountains. And 
happened upon them. And Strange. Maybe it was my dad taking me to a cult for a sacrifice. <laughs> and they signaled to him, oh, no, that's not. Last second. Not, a, like, good, not a good sacrifice. Yeah, that one's not good. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a fourth brother you don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have an older brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, that's dark. Anyway. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, it has been. Uh, we got some homework to do. And I think we've been better at following up on the things that we talk about. <laughs> Before we were all over the place. Like, yeah, we'll get into that. And we never did. Yeah. Until like 20 episodes later. <laughs> <laughs> when someone... Uh, Called us out. Yeah, when people call <laughs> us out, which we're grateful for. Anyway, this has been fun, but I think we're going to call it quits for the night. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, uh, trust your gut and watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Be careful out there. See you guys. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it down. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. -S.